And now on Tucson Business Radio, let's find out how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise with your host, Karen Fisher. Good afternoon, Tucson and all of our other listeners. This is Karen Fisher, your hostess for Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. We are broadcasting remotely. We are not physically in the studio due to the COVID crisis. But we are broadcasting um, remotely and still bringing some great information. And particularly in this time of the crisis, the healthy, wealthy, and wise is really needed at this time. Mm -hmm. I would love to introduce to you my very, very special and amazing guest and a friend for several years now, the one and only Carrie Conley. (laughs) Thanks for having me on, Karen. I'm so excited that you're here. You are in Oklahoma right now? I am in Oklahoma right now. As my daughter is expecting a baby in a few days. So I am, um, you know, from Arizona, Phoenix specifically, but I've been here for a little over a week and I'll probably be here for another couple. Well, it, it is just so exciting and um, expecting your first grandchild. I can't, I mean, I just can't even imagine the, uh, the bundle of nerves and joy and excitement and all of those fun things all wrapped up into one. <laughs> yes. I, uh, so many people have told me that if they had known how much fun grandchildren were, they would have had them first. So, yeah. <laughs> so but, true. Yes. So this is, um, you know, the miracle of technology is that we can be broadcasting um, multiple thousands of miles apart. And we can get the information that's out there that is so critical. Um, So um, what I would like to talk about, so first and foremost, I know the first time that I met you was just shortly after you had written your first book. You've written multiple books, but the very first book was Vision is Victory. And you do a lot of things, Carrie. You are, um, obviously, you're a speaker, you're an author, you, you're a coach, you are a collaborator, you are a true visionary. Yeah. So one of the things that I would I would love for the listeners to have, because I do know your, your story, some of the information behind the scenes, but I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about um, your personal journey and then what led you into the next book, which is Keep Looking Up mm-hmm. and what we can do when people feel right now, there's a lot of people that feel hopeless. And I know the core theme at your heart is there is always hope. Yes, there is. Well, you know, long story short, I have been an entrepreneur for almost 27 years because at that point in my life, I was, you know, in my late twenties and working full time and not loving the nine to five gig. So I really wanted to be able to unplugged from that, especially when we started having children, which happened a couple of years after I wrote my first vision on paper. I was encouraged by a mentor of mine to take an entire day and sit down in total silence and write out everything I wanted my life to look like in detail. And I believe, and I've shared this with thousands of people in many different ways, that what happened for me that day is God and I, the universe, whatever you want to call it, were collaborating. And I was getting a very clear vision of what my purpose was to become and what some of the things that I wanted to do and create in my life. So so because for 25 years, I did that really well, growing two businesses, I started teaching it about eight years ago. I started literally creating my own content, doing my own workshops, bringing people into small little hotel rooms and getting them to get their vision out of their head and onto paper. And so that worked and they started asking for more help. So I started bringing people into coaching and that worked. And so I started getting asked to speak and, you know, and it goes from there. Um, But on multiple different stages, did write my business victory book in, I think it was in 2015. Uh, So it's been out for a while. It's literally a workbook that somebody could, buy on Amazon and take and do what I did in a day. Um, I also have another book that my daughter and I co-wrote last year in 2019 called, as you mentioned, Keep Looking Up. The purpose of that book stems from some tragedies that have happened in our life. We've lost both my husband and my son since 2014 to suicide three years apart. And we wrote that book, um, not only to share our story, Karen, but mostly keep looking up is 
11 chapters of what we've learned in the journey to hopefully help other people going through whatever adversity they're going through personally or, you know, things like what we're dealing with right now, things that are outside of our control. So, yeah, I've done a lot of different things and um, have had quite a journey in the past 27 years. Um, so, yeah, and and the, the piece that I know is that um, first to lose your husband and then to lose your son both to suicide. I mean, that is, I just think, unfathomable for many people. Just yeah. absolutely unfathomable. I can't even say the word, but you know what I'm yeah. trying to say. Yes. And 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 yet, instead of, and I'm sure that there were many, many days that you just wanted to stay in bed with the covers over your head and mm-hmm. like, that's it, okay? Um and I know there are people that are doing that now, um, not, and I'm not here to minimize what people are feeling, but, right. you know, they, they're doing that now simply because they're having to stay at home, but mm-hmm. they're, they're forgetting that, well, at least I have a home. Right. Okay. And, and they have not had the tragedies that you've experienced. Mm-hmm. So with that, and one of the reasons I thought it would be just really uh, timely to have you as a guest, I would love for you to share um, some of the parts, especially about getting really clear with your vision, because you started doing workshops and things like that. And it's, it seems that we've got a lot of people that they'll talk about goals and things like that, but they don't have, they don't really have a plan to get there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that uh, positive affirmations are not good and, um, and, you know, some of the other tools that we use, but it seems like you, there has been a little bit of a, um, I don't know, an attitude is that, well, if you just put it, if you just put it on paper, then it's just going to show up, but they forgot that you've got to take the, you've got to take the steps. So let's talk about that. What do you, when you meet with people and you're trying to get them to really visualize their plan for their lives, not their parents' plan, et cetera. Tell me, tell me about some of the steps and what some of our listeners can do to mm-hmm. begin that process. Yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, I had a mentor who was the first person in my life who ever told me that I had the ability to create whatever I wanted to create, regardless of what everybody else thought I should be doing. Because, um, you know, that's how you grew up in the 80s. You went to college, you got the degree, and you went off and found yourself a job, and that's where you stayed, and <laughs> that's how it works. And, and that was the that was the plan that well intentioned that they, perhaps your parents had given you or yeah. well intentioned absolutely um, you know they saw it as security um, and I don't know how it was in your household but I was the first one in mine to go to college uh, my parents got married very very early and you know it, it, it was just their dream that they wanted me to get that education so. So I did that, and like I said, I'm, I'm proud that I did that, but it just didn't fit my personality and what I really wanted my lifestyle to look like. So so I took a day, and like I said, I wrote out in great detail in every area of my life what I wanted it to look like. And now when I help people do that, have them come together either you know in a workshop or a webinar, I get them to think with a target date of about three years out. So and I why have three them- years? Why three years? Why not? I hear people talk about a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. Yeah. Why three years? Well, because in this day and age, most people can't even think three months out. So <laughs> How about three days out right now? Yeah. Yeah. So, really. Um, so, for me to say five, 10, 20, it would just be, I, I, I don't even think they would listen to me at that point. But three, we can kind of see because three comes pretty fast. And. Yeah. After I get them to put the date on a piece of paper, I get them to write another thing that's non-negotiable, which is ages. So I get them to write how old they'll be on that day, how old they'll, their family mem- members will be, um, specifically if they have kids and grandkids, because they can see some major life shifts coming um, with that that projection of three years out. And nobody sits down to really think about that, Karen, until we literally look at it and go, okay, wow, this is going to happen. And there are some things that I am not prepared for right now. Is that um, a big hoff for a lot of the, uh, you know, it seems to me that sometimes it's like sparks of reality 
to all of a sudden have realized that, oh my gosh, in three years, like for me personally. Yes. Now I've done that. Uh, I, I, on a personal basis, I tend to do that as yeah. far as knowing, you know, what that's going to be. It's just probably my personality who's a numbers geek through and through. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's interesting to me that I, I, I just feel like there's been a lot of people that just, are drifting they're not yeah I, I, I just i visualize it like a race car that's just kind of sliding to the side yeah. you know they're drifting they're not um intentional yes that is most of the population um they are pretty much winging it they might have like you alluded to earlier affirmations or maybe even a really pretty vision board but no action and um you know, deadlines on some of those things, dates that they're shooting for to achieve them. So what happens is, you know, it becomes what I call a someday board. And, oh, you know, that's good. it doesn't work that way. It's never kind of worked that way in my world. I've, I have a vision board. I do believe in them. They're very powerful. But with the things that I put on my vision board, I also have a very um, broken down action plan specifically for the next year. So once I have somebody write the big, beautiful vision of three years, then that tactical thing I help my clients do is take it into one year, very specific, you know, what we call smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, relatable, and time frame. So we take those goals in every area of their life and we break it, you know, if, if this is where we're going to be in one year, then let's break them down into quarters and then they can take it from quarters into months. So we were able to reverse engineer a great big dream that most people just can't see how it's going to come to, to fruition. Well, I think that reverse engineering is key. You and I are doing some fun work together because I've got lots of, I have many, many big uh, uh, projects and plans and some things. And I need one of the things that I have found for me personally is I need to, I know that there's the work that needs to be done, but there's also another part of me, which is that type of personality that says, I don't, Sometimes I don't want to do the work, and so I have to have the icky work attached to something that is a really. I've got to play a game with it, or have it yes. attached to something that I really want. What What other yep. um, like big stumbling blocks do you see for a lot of the people that mm. you know? Because you really you literally work with thousands of people. So yes. what else do you see that people are, you know, where? What are the tripping points? Mm. Well, a lot of them are things they're not even aware of. So you and I have talked um, very recently about stories. A lot of people have some stories rolling around in their head that they believe to be really true situations for them that they can't get past. And so what we work on is identifying some of those stories, some of the things that you hear yourself saying to yourself on a regular basis that isn't necessarily true, but unfortunately right now you have believed it to be true. So first thing is we have to do a lot of awareness around what you think is keeping you stuck and start turning them into things that are things that you now see as, okay, I can really change this. This does not have to be my truth. So So what's an example of that? When people, they sometimes they think, well, don't you understand? I, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of those conversations this week. So I'll just pick one, um, you know, a couple of women in this group that I'm running um, is are talking about the fact that they are feeling like it's too late for them to go after their vision because they're too old. Both of these women are in their early 60s. So, oh yeah, for, uh, for you and I specifically, because you and I are both around that age too, um, that becomes a, okay, but that's not true that's not a truth because we still believe we have plenty of life left and we, we intend to go after our vision. And there are plenty of people. If we Googled it and said, how many people became successful after they were 60, we would find going all the way back to the Bible, you know? Uh, Uh, Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, so we now look at it and go, okay, so it's really not true. I'm the only one saying that and believing that. So what can I now do to change that? And that's where, you know, writing affirmations, saying them out loud to yourself, surrounding yourself with powerful people that um, did do just what you want to do. 
for me, it's always about hanging around the people that are where I want to be. I think that's huge. That's why I guess you do play tennis. I, I'm not a tennis player, but my husband is, and I, uh, there's a lot of analogies to that, is that if you want to get better, hang around a better tennis player. Same yeah. thing in terms of in business. If you want to be a, uh, if you want to be a more impactful leader, hang around other impactful leaders, you know, investing that information yourself. And, you know, it's funny that you said as far as the ace, the one that always pops to my mind and she was absolutely um, incredibly successful was our American folk artist, Grandma Moses. She didn't even start until she was 78. Yeah. Yes. So many examples. And again, so we have to look at that and say, okay, then this cannot be a truth that age is a factor of not going after your dreams because it's been proven too many times that it is not. Yeah, so we have to adopt new truths. I love that. Adopting new yeah. truths. And sometimes they, you know, one of the, there's a, a woman by the name, I think you know her, Terry Karjula. Yes. Uh, Terry, who's been a guest on the show, is she'll, um, she's actually said in the past that when something like that pops up to say, well, isn't it interesting that I have this interesting point of view. Yes. Just this, it's interesting. It yeah. Doesn't mean it's true. Um, and so what are some other, so too old and so what are some other limiting beliefs that you hear frequently? Well, it's very common um, for people to say repeatedly, you know, who am I to, to have all this? Um, I have enough. Am I being too greedy? Am I, worthy enough there's a whole lot of lack of self-confidence and self-worthiness um unfortunately i want to say especially in women um there's always the time and money excuses people can use you know at the right time i don't have enough money um you know to, to start going after something and time and money are never the reasons quite frankly um, and that is that is for sure. The interesting thing that people seem to forget is we. That's the other part. In addition to age, uh, time marching on, um, the other piece of it is, you know, not only are we going to be three years older, three years from now, period, the end. Um, we all, every one of us, from Mother Teresa to everyone, has been given the same twenty-four hours in a day. Yeah. So somebody that's extremely successful in any area of their lives, the one thing that they did not get is more than 24 hours in their day. Yep, exactly. They just prioritize, and that's what having a vision does for you. When you have a very clear vision of what you want in your life and also what you don't want, it, it helps you create a daily intentional plan of what is most important, and you can, you know, little by little let go of the other stuff. Well, and it's interesting you bring up as far as what they uh, they don't want. That's another really big piece because what I hear people do, uh, and I say this often, um, you know, as a residential loan officer, I get to ask all of the questions that your mother told you you weren't allowed to ask. Right. And not only do I ask them, you have to prove them to me. So how much money do you have in the bank? What's your income? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And so, oh, oh, and by the way, the age, and you can't even just tell me, you have to prove it to me. And oh, by the way, with the new rules, let's make sure that it's proven to me not once, not twice, but it's actually literally federally mandated, triple checked. Mm. So with that, I, um, some, a lot of times people will open up to me um, about some very, very personal things in their lives, um, always confidential. But one of the things that I see a lot is they, what I call it, should on themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know that I should get my taxes done. Oh, I know that I should um, save more money. You know, but there's, they don't have a plan. And that's what you're talking about is create that vision and take the shoulds on yourself and create, create a vision and then reverse engineer as far yes. as how, what the steps are to get there. Yeah. So, um, and then a, a, another piece that I heard that you say, which I think is a common theme also, and people always say, oh, no, that's not true, but is uh, fear of success. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think it's actually even bigger than the fear of failure. And it's, some, it's interesting, I actually coached a client today, and that was part of our 
conversation if she's been backing away from, you know, achieving the highest level in her company that she wants to achieve. And it's not because she's afraid to fail. She's afraid of what it's going to look like if it actually happens. Um, some of that looks like, you know, what am I going to be ready for that? Am I going to be able, able to handle that? What will people think? And, you know, what am I going to have to change about myself to become that person? Again, we've fleshed it all out, all stories. Right. She had a lot of uh-huh. conception of what she thought it was going to be. And I told her, I said, none of that is true. <laughs> so, so, yeah, big fear for people to feel like they're not ready to manage that big of a dream. So, that, so that's just a form of self-sabotage in a lot of ways. And yes. So what other, what other besides that piece, um, do you see people like sabotaging their successes? Cause I mean, I know that you, do deep dives with people and you get to know a lot about what is going on for them. Yeah. Well, they do it in a lot of ways. They do it mentally, physically, emotionally. You know, I've seen people literally set up their face um, in a way that it self-sabotages their work intentions. I've seen people... Um, stay in bad relationships that they know are no longer serving them and sometimes really toxic and just be so afraid to change that relationship because, again, there's a long list of whys. Um, But that's also a big, big, big part of um, success is people are afraid that they're going to lose people that they care about along the way. Uh, And they care a lot about what other people think. It's very Hmm. big. Yeah. No, I, I... I see that one of the things that I think about, uh, and well, and it's attributed to their success, but one of the things to think about is nobody says that McDonald's has the world's greatest hamburgers, but McDonald's as a company has proven over and over and over that consistency is more important than quality. And Mm -hmm. that cuts in a couple of different ways, but you know, the, the, the hamburger that you have in Tucson is the same that's in Dallas, is the same as in New Jersey, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there are companies, you know, as far as the information. And so I see people maybe in terms of that toxic relationship. I, I, I mean, I've literally, I work with a lot of collaborative divorce attorneys and uh, people, you know, because sometimes they're getting a mortgage to buy out their spouse or something along those lines. And so what I, I see a lot of people doing that they, they were like, well, it's kind of like, well, he or she is better than nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen that a lot too. People that they've gone through the work, they have transparently told me they knew they needed to make some changes and that these relationships are no longer serving them. But, you know, if I keep seeing that with the same networking events all the time and they will you know, I, I can tell by the way they look at me that they haven't made any changes. Um, it pains me because I know that what's keeping them there are, like you said, it's just the fact of, you know, afraid of being alone, afraid of, again, what people think, et cetera. Very, very interesting um, just to watch as far as that and to see that. Because like I said, I just see this on a little peripheral thing. And one of the things that I love to do and why I want the radio show although I've done radio on and off for about 20 years, was specifically to connect people. So what what else as far as with their successes? Like, well, we're talking about sabotage, but what are some of the things that people do once they get real clear with their vision? What are some of those first baby steps that they take to, towards their success and really making their dreams come true? Well, once they have the three-year vision and we're able to map out a very strategic big, um, almost non-negotiable goals, then we can reverse engineer it like we talked about and break it down into, into those quarterly goals. Quarterly goals are, are magical. When you have really specific activities that you're going to do in 90 days that are going to help you move forward, you can eliminate all the other stuff that you shouldn't be doing, period, or just yes. So that they can break it down to, okay, so what, if it's, if this is where I'm going to be at the end of the quarter, what do I need to do each month? 
And that becomes, all right, if this is where I'm going to be at the end of the month, what is it that I need to do this week? And that, again, becomes bring it all the way down to what's the best use of my day to day. So in the area, for example, of my business, what I'm doing, I'm very, very clear on um, income targets being one goal and reach being another. And so because me and my team know those numbers, we know exactly every day what we need to do to stay on track with that. And if anything else comes my way that doesn't align with that vision, I will, I will take a look at it and either say, no, this doesn't fit at all. Or I will say, you know what, this is good, but I'm going to have to table it for maybe next quarter or the end of the year. That's, that's interesting that you say that. I actually, I have a not now file Mm -hmm. and my not now file, which has actually just been a great tool because there's a, the one other thing is, is we're in the information age. Um, you know, I have always, always, always been a, uh, on a personal basis, a voracious reader. And I always thought it was interesting that, uh, Jim Rohn, business philosopher who's since passed away, Jim Rohn talked about that the, um, the number of households with over $250,000 a year in income, the one thing that they had in common, there's lots of different ways that people had to have that money. And most of it, um, well, let's just put it this way. In the United States, like next to none of it was inherited. So it's almost yes. always business people, entrepreneurs, inventors, people that are, you know, really making an impact. And one of the things that he has uh, that Jim Rohn talks about is the, uh, well, I just lost my turn of thought without Jim Rohn. But Jim Rohn, as far as the business philosopher, when he's talking about having everything broken down to success and then... Yeah. And one of your favorite quotes, I know I've seen it, but um, this is a Jim Rohn quote. It says, um, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find yep. an excuse. Yep, absolutely. And that's what's the, why vision work is so important because every single day we're faced with the choice of do I really want this? Um, because it gets hard. It gets really hard. <laughs> um, so that, that piece where people are telling you that it's easy when does it get easy? <laughs> well, nothing in life is easy. I don't know where we ever thought that that was a, a day that was actually going to really happen. <laughs> so I, I'm really grateful that you're saying that because I think we've done a great disservice to some of our children. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, but I mean, it, it's, it's like sometimes you want to, I mean, you, you always want your children to do better than you did. I mean, that's just a natural thing. But the the piece of the natural consequences for their actions, the, the some of the helicopter parenting that has been going on and things like that, I don't, on a personal basis, I do not feel that that is healthy for them. It's not healthy for our society. It doesn't yeah. make them strong. It's, it's almost as if, and especially now this time of year, everybody's planting trees. If you plant a tree, and you and it doesn't have any wind, and yeah. this is a very interesting thing because you I don't know if you're familiar with the biosphere in Tucson where they mm -hmm. did. Uh, so, are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. Oh, oh, you got to Google that. The biosphere, which is just outside of Tucson, they created a complete artificial world, like totally sealed off. Scientists went in there and they were sequestered. I forget how, I mean, it was like they volunteered to go in there for like two years. So it's basically a world within a world. So imagine, I mean, it's huge. You can actually go there and they, they now, they later on opened it up to the public, et cetera. But the interesting that happened, as soon as they opened the biosphere to the natural elements, all of the trees fell over. They, they literally just plopped mm. over. Yeah. And the reason for that is because they're inside the actual biosphere itself, there was no wind. And mm. it's the wind and that blowing in the storms that allow your trees to be strong. Yeah. So conversely, as far as like even with landscaping, just using something silly right now, if you always have a stake by your tree, then as soon as you take the stake away, it, it, if, it's, if it's tied to the tree, Mm -hmm. You know, you might give it a little bit of support, but one of the things that you need to do is make it loose on a regular basis because otherwise it will never get strong. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And 
Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we do have a lot of that going on in this country, unfortunately, of raising up little humans that get a whole lot of help and not enough, uh, letting them figure out who they are and how resourceful they are. Well, and that's one of the reasons um, why first-generation immigrants tend to be the most successful. I mean, they tend, there's, they will come and they will make a success mm-hmm. coming in, whereas some of the people that have been born in the United States, so somebody, you know, they get here, they're here legally as, I'm not saying illegally, they're here through the legal path, they become an immigrant, and they're, and they're building their businesses and they will actually do better than a lot of the people that were actually given the gift of being born in the United States mm-hmm. because they had that dream of being able to get here where they could see all of the opportunity and everything like that. Yeah. Well, yep. um, we are, uh, I just want to give a little bit of a, um, of a plug today. You are listening to Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. I am your hostess, Karen Fisher. I am a senior loan officer with Summit Funding, and what that means is that I give money for homes, anywhere from a single-family residence, condo, townhouse, all the way for a duplex, triplex, et cetera. And our, my very wonderful guest today is Carrie Conley, who is with Carrie Conley, Inc., and she is an author, motivational speaker, and an absolute vision expert. And I would say I'm going to add visionary. How's that? Perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is good. So, well, let's let's do a little bit of um, more of as far as that deep dive. As you, what are some of the things that you do that's routine in your day to keep you moving forward? Because with the tragedies, the personal tragedies that you have had, you, I, I said earlier, you could have just said, "I'm just putting the covers over my head," mm-hmm. or just being frozen. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to know, and I'm sure people would assume this, that, you know, when, when I lost both my husband and my son, I did take some time off for um, healing and, you know, just what I needed to do. But I've been so very certain about my purpose that even though I took the time off, I knew that I would come back to this and more so now than ever. So a big part of my day is the very first hour of my day is crucial. It is spent in quiet time. I listen to something positive. I read something positive. I journal. I pray. uh, I read a devotion. I get very, very clear on setting the right intention and the right mindset for the day because what most people do is wake up and the first thought they have is usually not a good one. (laughs) Um, Why is that? (laughs) Well, because we all have stuff going on in our lives. And so, unfortunately, it's human nature, unless we train our brains differently to focus on the negative. And so we tend to think about those things first. And what we think about first thing in the day is how the rest of the day goes. So I have to literally do what I call suit up for the day. I need to get my head in the right space, my heart in the right space. I meditate. Um, I then prioritize my day, again, based on the vision and where I'm going because I always have a multitude of projects going on and you can't do them all. So I have to determine how my day is going to be laid out. And then also I have a team of people, so I have to make sure that um, they know what they're doing. They're telling me what they need from me. Um, So I'm very clear about how the days in general should end. So do you do some of the, I've heard some people that do kind of bookends where they do that piece as far as setting up their day and then mm-hmm. they do like a bookend afterwards, just a recap or review of the day. Do you find that that helps you or do you just do yeah. that in the morning? No, I definitely, because the day can shift throughout the day. Sometimes we don't get to everything on the list. So the last thing I have to do at night is determine, okay, what does tomorrow look like and what didn't I get done today that definitely gets moved to the list for tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I, I am always kind of checking in. And I think that's something not very many people do is they let the day just run them over and don't ever check in. I, I, I have shared with you, and I know I've shared this with you, Karen, how I have become really, really good 
physically checking in with myself every about every hour or two to ask myself, what is the best use of my next hour? Because when we don't do that, we look up the clock and we're like, oh my God, I just spent three hours on something that I did not intend to do. So that's, as, you know, as far as for our listeners, that's something that's very, very tactical that they can use and uh, to take their phone and set a timer and then yeah. do something. And I know there's quite a few people, um, so so many of us are working from home, and I, one of the things that I have done incorrectly since I started working from home, part of it is because of the joy that I have in my, I love what I do, mm-hmm. that's good. But it's also a double-edged sword because I can just get lost in it. Yeah, yeah. And so I need to use timers and little techniques and tricks and to get up and start moving. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know. Yes, it's because we can. I can do the same thing. So I have to. And if I'm not good at it, then I have other people that hold me accountable. So, Listeners, text, text. that's another key golden tactic. You know, this is, that's a tweetable moment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yes. I set up myself. So exercise is one of those things. Um, I am not somebody who loves getting up and like getting it done and going to the gym. Um, so I literally have to, um, I belong to a gym that's really expensive. And I have to sign up for the classes. And if I miss a class, they charge me more money. That's a great technique. So, yeah, that's very accountable. (laughs) Um, So those things get on my calendar first because I'm paying for that. Well, and um, I do know that uh, you're not able to go to the gym right now, but they're doing something. The gym owners are doing something interesting. This is a good thing for people who cannot physically see their clients right now. Yeah. So one, it's, it's probably them how they're doing that. Um, the, the people who own the gyms or the people who are, can't go to the gym? Um, well, actually, the, the people who own the gym, how they are helping you to stay accountable, even though you can't physically go and attend yes. a class. Well, they have set up virtual classes that we can still sign up and pay for. Um so I have done that, and even though I get the recorded classes, <laughs> I show up for the live class. And the reason I do that is because if I get the recording, I know I'm not going to do it. Um, so I show up for the live class, and I know the instructor really well. She's one of my clients, by the way. Oh, cool. Um, I, I let her know that I'm going to be on live tomorrow so that she's expecting me. That's, so, that's yeah. I'm just one of those people when I tell somebody that I'm going to do something, I don't not do it. So I know that about myself. So if there's something that I need to be really getting done that I know is going to be challenging for me, whatever reason, I let other other people know what my intentions are. Well, and that, and that piece is huge, but it also leads into something else that um, I think and I hear is um, you can hear from the clarity in your voice that you've also got boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So t- tell me about those boundaries. Like who, I call it, a friend of mine, actually, I use their name, even though my name is Karen, but he calls it the Hey Gems. So uh, you're in an office and somebody will pop in and they'll say, Hey, Gems, do you have a minute? Yeah. yeah. And what, that can actually, those interruptions, there's a lot of scientific documentation that shows that if you get interrupted by something such as maybe the beeps on your phones, the computers, mm-hmm. et cetera, that it takes you uh, just an inordinate amount of time to get back to the task that you had at hand. Yes, it does. Darren Hardy is the, he's a speaker uh, that you and I have talked a lot about. He yeah. um, teaches people specific numbers. <laughs> I've seen him put up numbers of how much that is costing you. It's a very big number when you allow distractions to take you from doing the one thing that you should be focused on, um, specifically, let's say, in your career and your business. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, it's interesting when you talk about that, Karen, I don't allow that in my life for the most part. Um, even when my kids, when I was raising my kids and working from home, we had a very set 
structure of when I worked and when I didn't work. And my kids knew that when I was in my office working and my husband, because he also worked from home, that they were not to interrupt me unless there was something really serious happening. And so, you know, um, we've got a lot of people that have found themselves working Mm -hmm. from home and also um, having to homeschool their children and having to deal with a lot of fear and uncertainty. Um, One thing, and and I want to make sure that our listeners are clear, I'm not saying that Xavier and Laurel did not take that that time Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, the the time to, to really just, mourn the loss of both your husband and your son yes however i know people who have gone through have experienced similar things both for husbands and children and sons specifically and i can tell you that they are um i know of one person that she i she she really needs that appropriate counseling and she is not that she's completely paralyzed like she as and I and I think in terms of and this is just touching on this because part of what it and and believe me it doesn't compare to the loss of your husband and your son but there is a period of grief that is happening for people who have had their entire life upended and that they cannot see they can't Mm -hmm. even see their family members. I know it's really hard for those of us that are, um, there's a lot of people, uh, us included, that we've got elderly um, parents. They're in their late 80s. Now, mm-hmm. One in particular, Scott's mom, is actually in an assisted living uh, and memory care facility. And even though she literally gets the paper every single day, she doesn't remember. She's got the short-term memory mm-hmm. piece going on. Mm-hmm. And she literally right now, and it's heartbreaking, she thinks that all of us have abandoned her because mm-hmm. she we can't visit her. And she'll say, well, stop by and see us sometime. And it's like, well, we can't. Well, why can't you? Because of the COVID. Well, w- well, what's that? And finally, uh, I mean, and she was to the point, she wasn't believing us, right? And so mm-hmm. my sister-in-law said, mom, you're getting the paper. Go grab the paper. What does the headline say? <laughs> She's mm-hmm. like, oh, really? Wow, I didn't know that. You know, so it's mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah. But, um, that piece, and I, you know, without drifting on that, that piece as far as that, I think it's important for people to understand that grief comes in waves. It's not like it's how do how do I want to mm-hmm. say it? It's not like you can check a box and you're done. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Right. Yeah. It does come in waves, and it's not expected waves. It's not just normally the things that you'd think it would be. It can be something just totally out of the blue. Um, and you have to honor that. It's not a bad thing to grieve, feel sad, cry, talk to somebody if you need to, do whatever you need to do. Um, it, but it's, it's a balancing thing, and it's different for everybody on how much you grieve and still move forward in life and I just know that unfortunately this was you know something that happened for me that I do know why I am called to do what I do with vision and purpose because now more than ever people need to know that they matter and they need to know that they there is a reason for them being here I I think that's huge and I want to pay special attention to your language that said that didn't happen it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. What you just said. I mean, that's what you just said. And I would love for you to expand on that a little bit because the limiting beliefs that sometimes people have, um, you know, they will think that it's because of something that's happened to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's deciding that you're going to be a victim for the rest of your life. When you hang on to something like that and and keep using that as the reason why you feel like you can't keep moving forward, you now have taken it and expanded it into a place where it's become a story, right? Yeah. What we were talking about earlier on how people get stories in their head is either they were taught the story 
um, or they had some emotional event happen in their life that created the story. So this would be a really good example of that. Of I could, and I could validate this, and you know what? Everybody around me would tell me, you know what? You are totally validated, Carrie Conley, for deciding not to work anymore on vision and speaking about your son and what happened to you, right? Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. would blame me for doing that. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of people thought that it would be better if I stopped. Hmm. But then what's the, what's the purpose of their whole life and what I'm called to do to help people who don't have any vision, which when you lose vision, you lose hope. And this is one of those things that happens to people when they decide to end their life or, or their life ends in this way, is they have no vision for their life whatsoever. And that scares me a lot. And it seems that that is the piece that's, um, you know, for a lot of us, is it's what's purely driving you. Um, you know, like you can just taste it, right? Yeah. And at the same time, um, for people that are, are listeners that are experiencing any level of, of what they are going through right now, I mean, we are in unprecedented times. Mm-hmm. And there is... You know, that message of hope, I think it is so critical. Um, I, uh, Darren Hardy, we we're talking about him today, um, but it was, you know, just earlier on the show, talked about um, Admiral Stockdale. And Admiral Stockdale was in the Vietnam prisons, you know, seven and a half years. And, you know, his story is the great uh, Googleable, if you can say that that's a verb, um, thing to think about. But, he talked about, there's two things. He talked about the people that, when he was interviewed, Admiral Stockdale, some of the people that did not survive the prisons were ironically, not, not ironically, but I, for a lot of people I think it would be surprising that they were the optimists. Mm-hmm. They were the prisoners of wars. They were the optimists. And they said, well, I'm going to, well, we're going to get out this Christmas and we're going to get out this Easter and we're going to get out this certain time. And then when those times would come, because as we started the conversation, time is, the dates are, Uh that's non-negotiable. You don't get to, that's not changing. And so when the, when that happens and the dates and that Christmas and Easter pass them by, they lost hope. Yeah. And so it's a balancing act between having hope and faith knowing that somehow it's going to happen. So, for example, during the COVID crisis right now, we know somehow it will be resolved. Mm-hmm. It will. We will get through this. Yeah. I don't, you know, there isn't a person that can tell us when. Mm-hmm. And so you, yes, you have to have faith that you're going to get through it. And you have to face reality of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. It's both. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I just think people need to focus more on what they can control and less on what they can't. Um, and that, I think, is uh, you just, I think you need to repeat that. People need to, yes, repeat that because it's so important. Well, they need to focus more on what they can control, which is almost everything, and what they can't. Well, so, and- talking about what they can control do you would you find that when you find out the things that you can control so some of the things you can control are you know how are you going to start out your day how are you going to you know what are you going to do as far as planning out your day and those specific measurable goals Mm -hmm. um and so as far as getting really clear getting crystal clear if you will as far as the vision for their life Mm -hmm. and I would say that that just those um, as you're super clear about the type of person that you want to become and how you start to be, if you will, uh, I know that that gives me on a personal basis when I'm in alignment with what my vision is and I'm making those for that forward movement, those steps towards my achievement of my goals. Mm-hmm. Personal and professionally, that I have more peace. I feel I feel that sense of peace. Yeah, yeah. And it 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 just it's that knowing 
that I have, I have done my best at my heart of hearts. I've done my best. Right. Right. And that is the thing is that you either end your day feeling bad because there were all the things that you intended to do and you didn't. And so that's a really draining energy, which is how most people live, which means at the end of their life, they die with regret, which is a, a huge driving factor for me as well. Um, or they end the day knowing that they were very intentional with their time for the most part, nothing forever perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, and no, and that yeah. we, that we did the best with our day and that tomorrow we get up and we, we do even better. I, I, I think that that is a, it's an absolutely critical um, component. And, and I think that there's a little bit of, you know, I don't think that people, you know, you, you set out your vision as far as the information. And I want to be clear with our listeners that having your vision of what your life is going to look like does not necessarily mean that that's all how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes what you visualize and what you thought was going to happen, if you are so connected to just a hard written goal, you can miss some of the opportunities. Mm-hmm. So as you're, as for me personally, as you're creating that vision and, and really, and, and it's not like you create the vision and it's one and done. Right. It's not, it's, it's, it's always evolving. It's not, again, something that you just check off on your box. What I find is interesting is to see how other opportunities show up at different times. So for example, during this crisis right now, I have discovered a huge time saver. Um, I've always been able to do things virtually, but my clients are now open to it. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that we do that huge amount of time saving where I can have a greater impact for people based upon the ways and the things that I can do as far as the, the, just the time saving. Right. And then, um, and then, Talk about some of, just to give some people some additional really tactical things, because, um, again, I'm a big, big quote person. Jim Rohn, one of the my favorite quotes that I just have memorized is, start from wherever you are with whatever you got. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. start. Okay. So yeah. what are some tiny shifts that people can make right now that you think might have a huge impact um uh, on them achieving their vision? Well, the first thing is they have to write it. I mean, nothing's going to happen without that. And a lot of people try and go after their goals without writing the vision, and it's a struggle at best if they ever get them done at all. So the first thing before they do anything else is the vision has to be written. Then beyond that, they can start breaking it down, like I said, into you know some bite-sized chunks so that they know like tomorrow one little thing they can do to move towards that direction. And it might be that all they need to do, if they're like, let's say they're, they have a vision of changing careers totally. Um, one thing they can do tomorrow is say, well, what I'm going to do is Google somebody who's in the career that I want to be in and kind of take a look at what their life looks like and how they got started. It's little, it's so interesting how you can just take a really baby step goal that seems like nothing but it's a starting point to something right Uh, yeah that's huge you know what what is that starting point so um you know some of the um small starting points for me um as i'm um clearing a lot of space if you will for the things that i want to have happen yeah um i i'm personally just setting a little time block with the accountability partner that we, uh, I want to, uh, we've got most, we've got our client files all paperless, but I don't have everything in my office paperless. So how am I going to transition to that paperless? And so I'm just spending a half an hour a day. I can do a half an hour a day. It's not going to get all done in one day. It's not going to happen. Right. But it's that tipping point. And I think about, um, there is an amazing book that I've recommended to a lot of readers called Atomic Habits, written by James Clear. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I love what he talks about as far as the ice cube. So you've got an ice cube and you've got it sitting on the counter. And 
that ice cube looks fine. It 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 looks fine. And then all of a sudden it starts to melt. Mm-hmm. Okay. It didn't go from being in the freezer to immediately melting. It was mm-hmm. all of the work that went in. And as that internal temperature was raised before it hit that tipping point. Right. And I, I think that that is so important when, especially if you've got a, a big goal, that's a lot of times that, there's a lot of work that has to happen to hit big goals. Yes. But you've got to remember those three to five phone calls that you make today or mm-hmm. that you didn't make today right. will have an effect on the trajectory. So think about an airplane going across the United States. You can be off just slightly by one degree. That's the difference between ending up in Florida or perhaps ending up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And exactly. so, as far as the information, yeah. yeah. Well, Carrie, you're going to be surprised because everybody always is. We are at the end of our hour. <laughs> Do you know, Karen, what you know about me? Oh, I you know already that. knew that. Oh, well, you know what? You're <laughs> one of the first ones to say that. Actually, I take that back. That's good. <laughs> um, so, a, a couple of the things. I, first of all, I would love for people to know. Um, I, I know we're going to have the information on the website, but. What you know? This is the fun part. So, um, so you're up in Scottsdale. You know, the, some of the fun things I do. I love to ask people just some kind of fun questions. So, mm-hmm. um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Do you drink it straight? What? You, how do yeah. you like your coffee? Black. Okay. Just black. Okay, it's the purest. Um, and so you already talked about so um, from a vacation, mountains or the beach? Beach. The beach, okay. And then um, I just love to know what is your favorite color? Peach. Peach. I love that. Yeah. Everybody else, a lot of people will just give me the like the just the primary colors, and that's <laughs> it, you know. Um, and I just, I you know, the the ideal client. One of the things that I know that you know, and again, they can contact you. They'll have all the information up on the website. But one of the things that the clients who are the ideal. You've gotten really clear about what you want mm-hmm. your future to look like. I know that, and it, and you're constantly refining it. So it's not like once you mm-hmm. hit three years from now that you're done planning or visualizing, right? Right. Okay. So, what are some of the ideal clients? Who would you love to just? Who would you want most to work with you? Mm-hmm. Well, most of the people that I end up working with are, in general, women. Uh, hasn't been 100%, but that's, it's a very high percentage. It's also a higher percentage that a lot of the women I've worked with are in general at the place where their kids are about out of the house or are, are out of the house because now they're seeing that they have no vision for their own life and they're kind of wondering who they are and trying to figure that out. So, um, I'm, And another big piece is they've been women who wanted to be entrepreneurs or are entrepreneurs. And so they're trying to figure out not only what their vision is, but they're trying to figure out, um, you know, who they are and how to grow their own business. Well, I, I love that. I know you've helped a number of people um, really explode their business. Um, uh, if their choice was to leave what was ever the, that corporate job, they've been able to set that up as far as entrepreneur and just having a lot of fun with that. So yes. yeah. I, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time and um, being a guest on the show. Your, your message is super, super important. You've got the books that are there um, that, you know, they're the books that you've written, they're all available on Amazon. Right. Um, and I just, I just want you to just, I, I can't wait to see when that grandson of yours is born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we can't be shouted from the rooftop. But, and um, any, any last, we're all set at the end of the hour. Anything else that you just, one last quote from Carrie? Well, I've been saying this for the past months now to all of my clients and in all of my workshops and podcasts is why not now? You have nothing to lose, literally nothing to lose. And one of the benefits that I see of what's coming out of this unfortunate situation we're in is it's, it's catapulting people to get up over their fear and finally do the one thing they know they're called to do. You have nothing to lose. I love it. So at that end, we're, uh, we are finished with our time. And yes, 
please, listeners, why not now? 